What a great way to start a podcast. You know what? We prepped all week for this. <laughs> we prepared so much that there's no way that this could ever go wrong. We've clearly put many hours of work into this. Um, we have very succinct notes on the beginning of our podcast. What are notes? Uh, well, I mean, the first one here, I think, sums it up pretty well. It's, it's it what is, Ralph's about I, to yeah, erase. Um, <laughs> it looks really good. In fact, I'm going to bold it and italicize. And we probably need to kick it up a little bit of a notch. There we go. Now it looks good. So, anyway, welcome to the conversation. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ralph Harris. You can follow me on Twitter at at the ninth ralph and over on my right i have the always friendly greg brook hi greg what's up you can follow me on uh, greg the great on instagram i should really change that one and no, you should keep it and, and then also make a twitter it. handle with that although i bet it's taken you should try it, I, it was taken like five times on instagram so i had to figure out a weird way to spell it also you can follow my music on coffee shop because i'm gonna just keep promoting that yeah you yeah. should spell both of those real quick for everyone yeah, because you know what? That coffee shop one, I thought I knew what it was, but I think it's like C-V-F-F-E-E-S-H-X-P. Perfect. That's it. Yeah. yeah. On SoundCloud. And Spotify. And Spotify, yeah, and but probably SoundCloud. Yeah. It's, on, it's on all the things, but mostly on SoundCloud. He just dropped a record, guys. Just dropped a lo-fi Christmas record. Boom. All right. And then across from me, but mostly to the right of Greg, we have Sean Goff. Sean. What's up? How you doing today? Not bad. How about you, Ralph? Pretty good. Pretty good. I had a pretty good weekend. How was your weekend? It was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I uh it was it was a lot of work. It was all good. It it was a lot of work. We had a, a lot of fun on Saturday. We all went and got pastries with our leather jacket crew. Right. And we were uh, a hardcore hard, hardcore leather jacket at crew. The, at Dozen Bakery. Is that what we're, At Dozen Bakery. There's the title right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. We, we, go, to French bake, we go to French bakeries and leather jackets. Cool. <laughs> French bread, leather jackets, themed albums. In the art All district. in the same place. Yeah, that sounds good. You know, what's best, <laughs> what the best thing about that is, is that we've all owned leather jackets, but we've never been able to coordinate all of us wearing them at the same time. No, we just did that. But we did that. Finally. Did. It's like the monkeys on the typewriters. It had to happen eventually, right? Just given it enough time. Yeah. You've never yeah, heard Darwinism. Yeah. Never heard the like enough monkeys on a typewriter would eventually spell out all of Shakespeare. No. Proven factually incorrect because it turns out that when you put a monkey in front of a typewriter, they do a whole lot of things that don't involve typing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, r- real, real tough there. I think it's a, it's a grand irony we might call it. Anyway, so for this week we have a theme, and probably for all weeks going forward, seeing as this is the first second podcast we've ever done. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Theme already. I just to, got deep. To go, uh, and I've I've done first podcast before, but this is the first second podcast. This is the first second podcast. Is this the the first second first podcast? Because I feel like this is more like the second first podcast. I do I do agree. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Like probably people aren't going to know what we're talking about because the first one ain't going to see the light of day. It might. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see when it's way later and it doesn't hurt our careers. Yeah. <laughs> we should, uh, yeah. Uh, it's going to stay in the deep recessed archives of my backup until we decide what we want to do with it. Anyway. Well, since we've spent four minutes talking about our last podcast that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, this week's theme, <laughs> this week's theme, it is uh, breakup music for those of us that get depressed after breakups. Breakup albums. Breakup albums. It doesn't even have to be depressing. And this is you know? probably... That's what, true, but this one is. Like, the best album to play when you're experiencing a breakup. Yep. Yeah, definitively the best, according to science. Science. We have science three minds in this room, which I thought would be really hard just to pick any albums for a topic. But pretty much in about five seconds, we picked this This was one. unanimously this chosen was very as unanimous. best it, breakup, post-breakup album. It turns out the science is perfect. 
Science. There's no arguing with science. Yeah, we had a sample group of three, of three, of three of the perfect choices. You know, you don't get better than perfect, and you can't argue with science, so it's clearly science. I don't know what he's talking about anymore, guys. <laughs> but our album <laughs> is <laughs> A Lesson in Romantics <laughs> by Mayday Parade. Album pretty close to the same time. Um, I don't know. You definitely pretty sure it I to me. started this. Yeah, you introduced it to me. Same. And so I don't know if you see, got it or you just discovered well, it. Well, you see, what happened was I was the one who could drive first out of all of us here, and therefore I gave y'all rides, and this was on repeat in my car. <laughs> Sean so, was on a constant breakup for years, except not. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I think the this was. Like pre my first breakup, I got into this record because it's dope. It is great. Yeah, pre third breakup, <laughs> fourth breakup. Fit. We'll just there was Ralph. One Ralph, is, there. Ralph is the expert on this subject in hey, the room. I that is that is some shade that is one hundred percent true. Also, <laughs> yeah. I meant more how you discovered it, not how you forced it on us. Yeah, how did you discover it? I honestly don't remember. Oh, I think I think I was on a YouTube kick one day and found the single uh, Jamie All Over in a, in a music video form. I think don't... If someone's like, no, I showed that to you, Sean, don't quote me on that. But I believe I found it on YouTube. Credit open. You know what, Sean? Credit's I went way... back in time and I showed this album to you as adult me it's just so that I would have it introduced to me at a later date. Weird. Yep. All right. <laughs> uh, so w- we have a few songs that I think we needed to talk about uh, to really suss out the the excitement that is this breakup album. Mm-hmm. That's that's what gets you going, Ralph. Yeah. Mm, well. Mm, that's well. Why it's okay. A so album. it's it's a breakup album, but you're going through a lot of emotions. You are going through a lot of emotions. The first and of which is pretending to be happy about your breakup. And the best part about this album is is the band also going through all those emotions with you because they have a pretty interesting history around all this as well. Right, because this was the last album before they split up into two bands, basically. A solo act and a band (laughs) for the most part. Yeah, well, they had two lead singers before (laughs) this, but this was also kind of their first official album, too. I think the story goes that they played one show together as a band and then broke up. They didn't even tour together on this album, right? The, yeah. I I didn't know I didn't even know about the one show type thing. But uh, yeah, they they toured off of this album, but it wasn't with the with Jason Lancaster, second lead singer. Yeah, who eventually did his own thing with Go Radio. Um, also fantastic. Also, yeah, yeah. I liked. I didn't quite hit as well for me. I think in the. Uh, I mean, this album right here was was super iconic for me. Yes, this album. I I think it's real hard because it's probably one of my top of all time type yeah, things. So that's like, what I was anytime say. you compare something to that, it's like, ah, eh, yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because even the rest of the Mayday stuff, it's just their debut comes out so strong in what we're doing that the rest of it I like a lot. But uh, it's yeah. never gonna hit that first high of what this album was for me. Um, yeah, welcome to junior, maybe sophomore year of high school. It was sophomore or junior year of high school for me. It did come out two thousand seven. Uh, but it was a while before we discovered yeah, it. I would yeah, we, it, it was already out. They, I think the second album was out when I found this album. No, second album came out like... Are you talking about the EP Valdosta, or are you talking no, about... No, 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 I'm talking about... Uh, self-titled Silence. Mayday Prince. No, uh... Oh, I forgot about that one. Uh, what is that? Kit... Um, I know what you're We were about. just kids in love. That's. I think that's the song, not the album. Yeah, uh, give me just a second. I will take a look. I think the first song we're going to end up talking about is Jamie All Over. 
just because I think it's a fun jump into yeah. anywhere but Any, here. Well, anywhere but here. That's the one. Anywhere but here. But uh, yeah. So, but Jamie All Over is like the one song that does not fit our topic of it, breakup songs because it's actually just the only love song on the album. Like the only like happy, let's go take a road trip. We are in love song. Was that also but it's the on, single? Was that also on Tales from Dead Friends? No. Tales told about dead friends. No, 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 no. I don't think there was any crossover between. The... Oh, wait. Nope. There was a. When you get home, you're so dead. That's that was it. the crossover. I. That's what I was wondering because I knew that there was one song that crossed over, but I couldn't remember. I guess I always think that it's Jamie Oliver because it sticks out so much, you know, because it's so tonally different. Yeah, from the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I also feel like Jamie Oliver is. One of the things I like to talk about the most, I've talked about before, is the the concept of the album, the thing that kind of pushes it forward to be, to tell a story, um, gets us started right out the gate. I don't think that this is a concept album nearly as much as, you know, like say a Panic at a Disco, but it definitely feels like they wanted to start it off at a high energy because they know that the rest of the album <laughs> starts to take an energy nosedive in, in how much like... As well, far as like emotional lyric. nose drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more of an emotional nose drive because the, the rest of the album's pretty lit. Yeah, <laughs> it's still it's still pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I needed to to adjust that to it takes a lyric nose drive. Just emotionally feels a lot worse after Jamie all over. It goes from yeah, like a happy like, angst like, yeah, to a a real emo angst on like, like hating yeah. the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes from like a yeah, great day, guys, to a Oh, this day, this day is indeed <laughs> glorious, my friends. So pretty much <laughs> early high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right. That's just that's just high school in a right. nutshell. But it's like it's like the the rom com thing where you got to set up the relationship before you like you know destroy it. You got to care about it before you. Yeah, you so I guess that's part. more of a drama thing. Sorry, not a rom com drama because it would get happy at the end if it was a rom com. Yeah. It doesn't get happy at the end of this record. It's like no. what they say about Shakespeare's plays, right? Like the only difference between the tragedies and the comedies is that at the end of a tragedy, everybody dies. At the end of a comedy, everybody gets married. Yeah. Everything else in the middle <laughs> is exactly the same. That's about right. I think it's pretty same. Pretty same here. Difference between a rom com and a drama is just that at the end of a rom com, everybody gets married. Yeah, at the end of a drama, like someone dies, maybe someone gets together. Yeah, maybe. And, and it's this... usually like they're getting together as someone's dying. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. What kind of, what do you watch, Greg? I'm, are you catching up on Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs> Cuz I looked at all 10 seasons of that and was telling myself I don't have that much time to commit to it. No. But yeah, hey, that's Jamie all over. I, yep. I think that it's a lot of fun to start it off with and if you just ended the album here, man, what and a it great so pop love band. Manny Brain is <laughs> pop love band. It's like a they'd be practically a boy band if you just cut it right after Jamie all over. You're Come like, on. man, what a great boy band! <laughs> <laughs> and then it uh, doesn't become that anymore. I don't actually have. I should pull up well, the album list in front of me. Yeah, I got it. Right I think here. it's Black Cat. Second song is that, right. Black Cat. It, it drops right into Black Cat. Yeah. Yeah, and then it gets to when I get home, you're so dead, Jersey. Uh, and if I, if you wanted a song written about you, all you had to do was ask. See, I feel like there was, if they didn't, if they didn't start this writing process thinking concept album, they sure as heck got all these songs again. And it's like, oh, this tells a story. And then they put those like four right up front. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I when I think of a concept album, I always think of something that tells like a story that progresses, right? You know, it has a beginning, it has a high point, it has a low point, it has an end. Um, and the only reason why I wouldn't call this one a concept album is because after the first song, it's kind of the same point <laughs> throughout the entire album. Right. It's you know what, life sucks, and what you did to me sucks. How I feel about it sucks. <laughs> All of that feels really, really awful right now. And it doesn't really ever progress from there. So while I think it's a themed album, it's really tough for me to say like, oh, yeah. this tells a story. Because it's really just like, here's a really detailed painting of my broken heart <laughs> bleeding all over the floor. Yeah, it literally goes from sunsets and beaches in L.A. to exploding cats and fireworks. <laughs> Out of backpacks. So pretty much like. Is that an exploding kittens reference? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
We are not sponsored. We would love to be sponsored, but exploding kittens. Exploding. Kittens. You ever wanted to exude violence onto your cat, but you can't because you love them? Exploding kittens. Nah, I'm allergic. Never had that experience. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't it's get really close difficult to talk about this album without talking about Miserable at Best. But I also feel like that's kind of our banger. So I'm going to skip that for now. And we're going to talk about You Keep the Anchor That Keeps My Feet on the Ground. I'll Be the Wings That Keep Your Heart in the Clouds. We're going all the way, man. Yeah, we're going to jump to the end on this one. I think you have to. Uh, This, I think initially, because uh, the reason why I'm pretty sure we discovered this our junior year, which was 2009, 2010, Mm -hmm. is because I discovered this right after a breakup. And I remember which breakup it was. And initially, right after that breakup, Miserable at Best was definitely my first, my like favorite song. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. really easy to say that because it's slow. It's a deep piano. It's got great harmonies. And lyrically, it hits home really, really hard. Yeah. Especially when it... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, the whole, point, the whole thing about the lyrics on this album is they say it in the most like poetic but super relatable way where <laughs> it's it very plain like, oh yeah it's just like it's right out there it's like oh, i think you i i know that you're gonna go out and dance with another guy because we broke up and we're no longer a thing and it's gonna hurt real bad yeah they do a really good job of writing things beautifully without going super metaphoric like it never right. sounds like you have to read between the lines or do some research and be like, oh, what do they mean by a rose on a cactus? Like that never <laughs> that's never a thing that you have to ask yourself. You know exactly what they mean, but it's still written really well. And one of the, the biggest heartbreaks about, you know, not being able to keep Lancaster on after this is that the reason why it works so well is because that really vibrant melody of their two voices working together makes these lyrics come alive. Right. I yeah, don't the think the back and forth is fantastic in that song. It it really is. Um and as a still somewhat hormonal junior high kid getting over <laughs> a breakup, it hits home very very easily. Yeah. It's it, it's too easy to get lost in that, especially when even these days when it seems like somebody that you've been dating for a while is getting over it way faster than you. Oh, that's a little rough. It's a little rough. And this song really speaks to that in, in a super great way. Miserable at best. I guess we looped all the way around because we can't get away from it. We're already that. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're already well, there. Let's listen to a little bit of Miserable at best. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely. So we're going like to alone tonight. I know he's there. You're probably hanging out and making night. While across the room he stares. I'll bet he gets the nerve to walk the floor And ask my girl to dance She'll say yeah Because his words were never easier For me to say or heard the second guess But I guess That I can live Without you, but without you, I'll be miserable at best. You're all that I hoped I'd find in every single way, and everything I would give is everything you couldn't take. Cause nothing feels like home, you're a thousand miles away. The hardest part of living is just taking breaths. So, I mean, I forgot that was like the the ballad. Well, it's one of two ballads, but that's the the ballad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. We're gonna I, talk about the other ballad in a sec. But I, I know. Yeah, because I mean, I I really liked Jersey and Black Hat, and I really got into like the bluesier bluesy bluesier with giant quotation marks. Uh, kind of rocking type stuff. But then when that song would pop on, I'd be like, oh, yeah, man, this has a lot of meaning, a lot of angst, and a lot of high school references as listening to um, the motifs about dancing. In it doesn't say prom, but pretty much prom or early college. You know, they have dances in college, too. So. Or, I mean... Man, did you go to a club? <laughs> yeah, that's what happens at clubs. Yeah, I guess. You just stare at someone and... Watch is someone that, else. Is that your move? Always <laughs> <laughs> repeating this song. He's watching his girl stare at them in a dance with another guy. If this was a club, they'd be like, 
Well, so it, would be, it wouldn't be that romantic. We'll yeah. just say that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's always interesting to hear perspectives like that because that's never how I imagine the song. I always imagine the song as he's imagining what's happening. Like his own worst enemy is himself. He doesn't actually know, but in his head, he sees them hanging out at his house, her house, mm-hmm. and they're just sitting around having a drink or whatever. And he's like, hey, let's dance. And maybe it's a thing that they used to do as a couple, a thing that they used to have fun doing and and really just spending time doing that. And he is in his head torturing himself with the imagination of her dancing with someone that's not him. Mm-hmm. That's how I've always seen it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, he's having the whole, going back to high school days, uh, he's having the whole, like, Taylor Swift love story moment, only it's with <laughs> another dude. And yeah, that's, yeah. What's, that's what's killing him. Yeah, it's it's really powerful, and it's just so unfortunate that Greg's never going to get to hear it because of how much we sang over that. <laughs> and and that cool. will never see the light of day either. <laughs> never see the light of day. <laughs> but he's, uh, beautiful. He's just never going to be able to listen to the song ever as long as we're around. Because you know what? That's also the song that I cannot help myself but sing along to. It is it is good sing along. Um, but, I mean, before we jump to another ballad, we at least got to hit like some of the rockers. We talked about yeah. Jimmy All Over. We should at least listen to Black Hat. If I remember correctly, Jersey was pretty good as Let, well. Let's take a listen to Jersey. Jersey I'm is a banger. Jersey. Jersey's yeah. pretty good. Let's do it. Here we go, guys. I'll have you know I'm scared to death that everything that you had said to me was just a lie until you laugh. Now I'm hoping just a little bit stronger. Hold me up just a little bit longer. Yeah, I love that one. I'm really glad we listened to it because it reminded me that one of the other reasons I liked Mayday Parade was the last thing we had heard from like real great punk artists was 2003. Uh, It's just punk went underground for a while as people's recording stuff got better. Punk um, rock just wasn't as popular. And so hearing Mayday. In 03? What? In 03? You're saying? Yeah, that was the the last one that Blink 182 published before Neighborhoods. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it was a long time. It was wow. nearly. And so if we say that it's, you know, four years till they published it and then it was another two till I heard it. It was a long time before I was hiding my Blink-182 music from my parents. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and this, uh, this really tight, fun um, punk rock song really brings back that memory of being like, yeah, you know what? I really liked Blink-182. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this kind of, of anthem style um, complain about everything in a great way. <laughs> it's just fun and rock and drum drums are like rocking. It's in your face. Yeah. And but they also have hooks. That's yes. the thing, because you have like a rock song that's like dope in your face and aggressive, but you don't have a hook that you can latch on to. And pop rock kind of put that both together. And it's like. We got yeah, you the full. Right. We're saying here. pop rock, probably more pop punk, pop punk because yeah. it's a little bit more punk, emo edgy punk. emo. You know, you kind of have to be in the mood or sixteen to really like be in it. But eh. when you're in the moment, it's it's good. Or How just dare like you insult my twenty five year old self for singing yeah, this song every time say. it comes on. The I radio. mean, I was just you in the mood right there. I was singing six, along, seven, man. Eight. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember playing along to all this stuff. 
back in the day, Sean and I did a, a great representation of Jamie All Over um, with our old band. That one will live on forever. It was great. How dare you assume that I matured past 16? <laughs> Bold of you to assume. <laughs> Who's assuming that, man? Yeah, we're not assuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, all right. Um, no one's saying that. <laughs> but to your point about hooks, uh, well, the thing that you want to do after a breakup is you want to scream. You want to yell. You want to be angry. And having a really good hook with a fun beat that's high strong, high energy is always a lot of fun. And it's... Uh, what's the word? Getting out energy. It's cathartic. Cathartic. That was the word I was looking for. It's cathartic. And this song does that. It does it really well. And then this leading into miserable at best. It's, it's a great way to like get out all that energy. And then when you're left with almost nothing, just kind of crush and kick you while you're down (laughs) in the best way possible. Right. Cause this is, this is the stage where it's like, Right before he hit the real low point, because it's still kind of bargaining. Jersey is. Um, I'm I'm talking about Jersey. Uh, where it's like, I'm wondering that if everything you told me was just a lie. Like every time you say I love you, like that kind of thing. And like he's he's hit that point, but he's still um he still has like that little bit of like I'm gonna come back from this. Slight denial. Yeah, just a little bit. And the miserable vest is like ah, the denial is gone. He he hit the bottom, and then. Hopefully comes up from there. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before amongst ourselves and definitely not on anything else about the stages of grief. And that's one of them. The beginning of it is, say, you know, like we said, setting the stage. And then these first few, When I Get Home, You're So Dead, Black Cat, Jersey, and If You Wanted a Song Written About You are all very much that slowly sliding out of denial and the, wait, did you really lie to me this whole time? Has it been fake this whole... No, there's no way it was fake this whole time. There's got to be a way to come back. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I just looked up the seven stages of denial because we've been talking about them, but can grief. not remember them. <laughs> grief, grief or denial? Grief. Denial is the first one, actually. Right. Then it's pain and guilt, anger, and bargaining, depression, and then the upper turn, recon, uh, reconstruction, work through, acceptance, and hope. Not sure if this album fully gets yeah, through they missed all that part. seven. <laughs> I think it Honestly, stops at four where it says depression. Yeah. What's after kind that? It kind of keeps jumping Yo. back and forth between like, ah, oh, shock, denial, anger. What, I'm going to bargain. Maybe Jersey could be uh There's better. a slight bit of it in there. Yeah. What's after the depression? Reconstruction and working through. Yeah. Okay. So very last song on the record has a little bit like where do we go from here vibe. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of like an existential crisis rather than a everything sucks. Well, let me posit this to you. Mary Parade writes really great music, but perhaps they're not the experts on the seven stages of grief. And instead, they went from shock and denial. They hit the first four really well. Shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, and then depression. And then they just skipped to acceptance and hope. That whole like reconstruction part <laughs> maybe never actually occurred. Because yeah, you're right. I oh. mean, do we really learn from high school relationships very well? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say that we do. However, I would also say that my experience is wildly different than <laughs> anybody else in this room. That's fair. It would also so... take a while. I would say. I feel like the most healing I've had from high school has been in lots of retrospect. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there are a lot of scars, both from relationships and high school in general, that hang with you for a long time. And even learning from them doesn't necessarily mean that they've healed all the way. Yeah, that's true. Being able to reconcile and repair those things with people, with yourself, um, with God, it's just not always an easy thing to do, right? You're just going to sit there and suffer for a long time. Yeah, what you can know something, it doesn't mean you're going to feel it exactly and knowing the truth doesn't necessarily help you turn it around um but speaking of wrestling with with god and in scars and stuff the last album or last track on this song is really powerful and last the last was, let me start that on over. this album <laughs> you know what guys that was uh, beautiful i want you to know that i am the occasional professional amateur when it comes to acting and clearly that shows and how eloquently I can put a sentence together. <laughs> <laughs> so let me start over. When we talk about you be the anchor that keeps my feet on the ground, I'll be the wings that keep your heart in the clouds. The last song on the album Lesson in Romantics by Mayday Parade. 
it concerns ourselves a whole lot with what do we go from here? Am I the only one who's it, it also deals with a bit of that loneliness, right? In that when you're going through a breakup and when you're hurting, it's really easy to feel like you're all by yourself, even when you're constantly right. not. And I think this does a good job of opening that up of, am I the only one who sees what's happening? Am I the only one who feels like everybody else is fake or everybody else is presenting a side of themselves that isn't true and not really giving us too many answers? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is right. at I least mean, a sign the, of... The album ends in a question. Yeah. You'll hear it when we play the song. Speaking of which, let's just do that because this go. is a lot to unpack. Honestly, I've been begging for answers That you and only you can give to me My voice crying loud I've been crying for days now And as I start to run, I stop to breathe I was nearly scared to die And I was nearly scared to die Sunset and silhouette dreams All my sand castles fall like the ashes of cigarettes And every wave drags me to sea I could stand here for hours just to ask God The question is everyone here make-believe with a tear at his voice, he says, son, that's the question. Does this deafening silence mean nothing to no one but me? As hours move to minus, I might it take longer to I will be desperately awaiting when my tongue won't fall apart And we've been sitting here for hours all alone and in the dark So let me think about a word Is it too soon to say perfect? If I could find another 30 minutes somewhere I'm sure everything would find me all the Left is just to sing out here by the ocean, just waiting for proof that there's sunsets and silhouette dreams. All my sand castles fall like the ashes of cigarettes, and every wave drags me to sea. I could stand here for hours just to ask God the question. Everyone here make believe With a tear at his voice he says Son, that's the question Does deafening silence mean Nothing to know I'm scared to die Tell me once again That you will love me till the death And should I die You swear that you will come for me Oh, no worries <sighs> Well, I'm glad we're back from the break Where I viciously and brutally murdered Sean <laughs> For cutting the last word of the song <laughs> Listen to the whole song We don't normally do that, but this is a great song. Yep. Mm. There's a lot of great references to this song. We talked a lot about in we, we talked a lot about concept, right? About mm-hmm. how you build an album, and this song has three references to other songs on the album, right? It talks a whole lot. It talks about cigarettes and silhouettes and sunset dreams. That's 
a lot of Jamie, Jamie Oliver. Oliver. Yep. <laughs> and it talks uh, in the middle, right before the interlude, it says, and I'll have, you know, I'm scared to death. Straight reference to Jersey. Um, but it's really powerful in that it, it talks about how hollow you can feel really after a breakup. It's the end. He's done fighting. He's done being in denial. He's done being angry and done being painful or being in pain. He's just by himself. Empty. Yep. And last question, does this deafening silence mean nothing to no one but me? Like that that's the vibe that they want to end it on right there. <laughs> that's literally the, the last the <laughs> as the chord is ringing out. Like No, the chord ain't even ringing me out. Me is by itself. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just the vocal. Yeah. And they position that as the voice of God asking that question, right? right. So, it's not even just Hey, I can't hear anything. I don't feel anything. It's God saying, "Hey, I don't hear anything either." Isn't that a bummer? Um, you know, and it, it's it really paints the feeling of even God doesn't know who's talking, or God doesn't feel like anybody wants to listen or anybody wants to talk because everybody's too busy pretending to be something they're not, right? Um, and it's deep, powerful, deep and dark place to be right there. But it, and it doesn't it, come back. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it is. It is. And it also kind of opens up the whole idea of not just a relationship or a person, but like humanity in the sense that, you know, is God not just God, is God talking to us, but are we talking to God? You know, are we willing to be out there with him? Yeah. So I, I that's like a way deeper question that I even thought that the song had. That's they're willing to leave let open. And because, like, the album isn't supposed to be that huge, and maybe they didn't even mean to go that deep with the question. But I really, really like albums that can end the whole thing well and bring it all together. Even if, you know, you might have a filler song here or there. And I don't even really think this album has that. But, like, when you're able to encapsulate the rest of the album with the end and kind of sit you in silence and you're like, well, shoot. Yeah, you know, and then you're like, yeah. well, let's play uh, track one again. And, and no, no, <laughs> the best part is when, uh, yeah, when you have the album on repeat on your iPod, on your whatever, whatever you're listening on, it it like hits the first notes of Jamie all over again, and you're like, you hit, you're you're like still in that somber moment, and then it's like, bam, 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 I had a dream last, and it's like, oh, this this is great. I guess I could go again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting to the, the end of the roller coaster. You look at the back of the line, nobody's there. You get to go again. Yeah, you nod at the attendant. Tears still coming down. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Put me through. He's Are you Put sure? Me in, coach. Are you sure? It's like, yeah. Yeah, I got let me just let me just take out my 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 cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> <Be> okay. <laughs> that was like uh the uh one time Sean and I went to um Magic Kingdom. No, uh Magic, Magic Mountain, Mountain in uh California and he had like it was the season pass day and you could bring a friend or a few friends so i think it was my that sister was, that was a good day and sean and i think your sister was there yeah yeah so we're all going through rides but we literally got on x2 the biggest ride and then we literally got to there was like two people after like waiting so we just ran around and that was the one time i've ever felt sick at a roller coaster park <laughs> because we <laughs> went on we went so on many rides so, many. so quickly we did X2 like three times in a span of that's, 20 minutes. That's normally like an hour and a half wait for yeah. that. For that and the only reason it was 20 minutes is because we had to run around yeah. <laughs> to get say, back to the other spot. Yeah. It doesn't help that you had to run around so you were active and breathing heavily and probably already somewhat lightheaded by yeah. the time you got <laughs> to the ride. <laughs> and then we're like, let's go on the ride that does the most flips and tricks and all this stuff. And did you it, ride Deja Vu multiple times? Because that was the one that made the most people throw up. Oh, really? really? It, it so it was canceled for two reasons one it broke down a lot and two it was the one they got the most complaints about like people gotcha. genuinely i really like that remember, one it was very yeah, out of it was the my box favorite concept. yeah it was cool. yeah uh speaking of somber capstones we spent a lot of time recently talking about um panic at the disco and dying in la which is another somber capstone to the end of an album mm -hmm. that you know, uh, Brendan Urie decided to end his album talking about how difficult it is to ever try to make it in L.A. It's a different kind of mood, but it's very similar to the idea of that album has a whole lot on it. It has a ton of really high energy, 
fun songs. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a high energy end and that everything's just all Guns N' Roses. That was not an intentional reference. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I feel like that's not even the saying. <laughs> no. Oh, look, I was trying to be creative, but it didn't work it. But, I, I mean, Pray for the Wicked, it, which is the album by Brendan Urie, it came out this year. It ends with Dying in L.A. And pretty much because of this Mayday Parade album, because of You Be the Anchor, anytime I hear a somber end to an album, it makes me want to go back and listen to this because it's yeah. instantly what I compare it to. It's such a great end to an album. And emotionally speaking about seven stages of grief, maybe not going to say we're professionals out here, but maybe don't use music as the only way to get over a breakup. However, if you are in the mood for feeling a lot of things and just having a cathartic release of all of your emotions, this album is probably one of the best out there. Yeah, for sure. Interesting uh, idea and thought on the flow of like the flow of albums. A lot of albums end on low notes more just for more just for uh how a song or how the album ends it's a love song it's a whatever but it's always a softer ballad usually it's the last song and the reason why that trend started was back with vinyl and because the closer the needle got to the center the easier it was for it to jump so if there was bigger waves it would um and it was spinning quicker at the end, it would jump track more. So they actually mm. physically couldn't put um, louder songs um, at the on end the of each side. Huh. So I did not know that. that's why the last tracks, usually on either side, is more of a somber song. Um, it also just feels good. It also, but that's just how we've been accustomed yeah. to listen to music. And this album even does that at about exactly song six of which 12 is, is miserable one. at best, which is side one. Which is a downer, and then I believe "Walk Walk on Water" or "Drown" is a jump up, and that's the that's a tradition that music has been doing for a while, and still does. And we even talk about when we're creating albums sometimes to help create like waves, you know, coming up and coming down, coming up and coming down. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing how it starts from such a mechanical necessity and has become such an integral part of. Um, making music yeah i mean it's it's always neat to sit down and really dissect like how an album comes together mm-hmm. uh and then at the end of the day realize that you listen to it because it makes you feel things yeah <laughs> yeah so you're like this snare drum sounds amazing and then at the end of your day end of the day is like well i don't really think about the snare drum when i listen to this song because of how it makes me feel mm-hmm. but yeah. when there's giant drums at the beginning especially with like jamie all over once the drums really start kicking i'm like oh man these drums are like also a lot of fun Maybe when it's like the three thousandth time you've listened to it, and you listen to it with your friends a lot, and now we're listening to it pretty in heavy scrutiny, we tend to pay attention to a lot more of the details. But I guarantee you, after the breakup that I listened to this album, I was not thinking about any snare drums. <laughs> <laughs> also, interesting fact: probably the realest, uh, most natural sounding drums are on the last tr- on track twelve. I feel like that's the most yeah. like solid rock sounding kit. They probably changed kits for that. Right. Um, I was also the rest of it's pretty tight. Yeah, I was looking at like credit notes and stuff, and the engineers and producers were guys that they ended up working with pretty much for the rest of their albums on and off. Um, but they did bring in uh, Mark Needham to mix this album, which he's done a lot of stuff before and after from, I mean, anything in in the rock realm. Yeah, Um, it's everything from like the last Imagine Dragons Imagine Dragons record Mm. um, to like. Walk the Moon and yeah, other acts that have been around for a long time. He's been around since the looks like the yeah. 80s or 90s. And it's something that it, it's really impossible to talk about a listener romantics without talking about how, how great it is. And it's also difficult to talk about it without talking about losing uh, Jason Lancaster afterwards, right? Um, regardless, they put out some great stuff afterwards. I know it was it's been a lot of debate amongst us, uh, but I love their self-titled. I think Mayday Parade, Mayday Parade is actually has more songs that I still listen to than the ones off of this track, um, off of this album. But one of the things that makes this work so well is how the lead singers intermingle their voices in a way that blends and, and honestly a way that I don't hear two male singers blend nearly as well. Uh, Right. The trade off between them is, is pretty seamless. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just like just enough of a different tone to give you a taste of like, oh, we're, we're changing scenes a bit here, but not enough of a difference to be distracting, which is crazy great. Well, and it's interesting when you think about like voices that blend. A lot of times if you have people that are related to each other, the voices are just similar enough that it's almost impossible to tell the difference, right? When you yeah. listen to Forever Life. Like, oh, sorry. sorry. That'd be like Switchfoot Brothers, um, John Foreman and uh, his brother that plays Tim, bass, Tim Foreman. They have super similar sounding voices. They sing on a lot of each other like together. And he just mostly sings backup to the point where you don't even notice. You kind of think it's just John singing his own backups. But then you see him live and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. It makes well, a lot of sense. Yeah. And Jason Lancaster actually went on to do a special edition of his track, uh, Forever My Father, which uh-huh. features his two siblings. Yeah. It's one of my favorite tracks ever just because it's very raw and real. But also, without even looking at the credits, you can tell that they're related. They all sing with a very similar place in their throat. They all sing with a very similar harmony. Um, And at the end, you can tell that it's not Jason singing, Uh but it's like, oh, this is clearly his brother. It is so clearly his brother. Um, And I I, I enjoy that version better than the album version, actually. I do, too. Just because of how how raw and real it sounds, because it is their family story. Yeah, and, and it works super, super well. But that's not what we have in A Lesson in Romantics. We have something that has just enough dissonance, enough clashing that they stand out from each other without being so different in style that it doesn't blend at all. And mm-hmm. it's something that you find really rare, and it's one of the things that, you know, when we talk about the Beatles that is really difficult to replicate going forward is that they did pick <laughs> three to four people who really could sing super well together and sing in a really great harmony without it being just a choir, right? Without just blending in perfectly. They do have their own voice within the harmony that stands out and is distinct, right? And it's difficult to get that. You know, there, there was a, the only song I can think of that matches that somewhat similarly with like either two female or or two male artists. I think it's a lot easier when you, when you go across genders just because the voice ranges and and are so different. It's so different. Felt a lot more like a duet when it's both the same, they can blend more. Right. Exactly. And so the only one I can think of is actually that Paramore Haley Williams did a, I hate to see your heartbreak with the other half of civil war. Um, Joy Williams. Joy Williams. Yeah. And great it's the, version. It's a great on version. On the deluxe album. Yeah. On on a song that, I mean, was good, but had a very special place in my heart and I forgot about. And I moved mm-hmm. on and has brought it back to the point that I can listen to a lot more regularly. And I love that version. And it's something that they That's accomplished. on their deluxe self-titled. Yeah. And they accomplished that all the way throughout A Lesson in Romantics. And it's why this album will probably never drop off of my top three list it, uh-huh. because it's so well written it's so well arranged and they sing so well together that I think part of the reason why all of the things clicked and was like magical to that point was one, it was like the one time that those two singers were together, but two, they were still so young to where everything was raw, but they still had the talent to make things good. It wasn't overanalyzed. There was, there wasn't a lot of big wigs in the room. Um, that was their first, uh, album on a label and, I would have to double check. I'm not sure if they recorded that on a label. Tales um, Told by Dead Friends. Was that just an EP they that the label picked up afterwards then? I, that I was think dis- so. That's still think distributed so. by the label, I think. It's not on Spotify. Oh, okay. I, I think it was distributed, but it uh, I don't remember. I, I do think, remember thinking that the sound quality, like the production quality is distinctly different. Yeah, so right. maybe this was the first one with a label. But yeah. it, again, like at least personnel-wise they had in the room, like they didn't have any big... Producers. Big producers, nothing like it was all still very self-contained. The label probably didn't know what they were capable of yet at the time. Uh, if um, I remember correctly, and you're right, Sean. Actually, Tales Told by Dead Friends is on Spotify. Yeah, it's um, like yeah, the, but that that is their only thing before that. Right. That that was the last one that is like well known. Or, yeah. I mean, out there, I guess. Um, I mean, Three Cheers uh, is fantastic song that I, i'm pretty sure they still play live mm-hmm. last time i saw them which was probably about a year or two ago they, they played three cheers live and that was off the tales tales ep yeah and i mean to be fair when we're talking about this label we're talking about fearless right yeah. Fearless is the same company that or the same label that puts out august burns red pierce the veil punk goes pop <laughs> and plain white tees uh, right yeah so they're not afraid of letting their artists do whatever they want 
mm-hmm. right? They're not to say that they don't. They they do make some choices and they clearly lean to a specific kind of artist, but it's it's exciting to see one of the most exciting things about this album is that clearly the label is like, go for it. And they went for it. It yeah, sounds yeah. really good. Yep. Yeah. Well, do we have I wanted to give a little bit of time to talk about other honorable mentions for breakup albums. We have a little bit of time left. I have one. Go for um, it. I don't I, I know that Sean's listened to them before, but I, I don't know if Greg has. Greg, have you ever heard of the Icarus account? Oh yeah. Oh From yeah. Sean. Fantastic. I again I'm pretty sure I showed that to you. No, <laughs> you didn't. You definitely didn't. Mariah showed it to me. But okay. uh we listened to this a lot together. Um only because when you specifically asked me once for what my best breakup songs were, I mentioned one off of the Icarus account, and it might have been really rough. And the reason why I always forget, or I will never forget, sorry, the name of this album is because it's called Mayday. <laughs> we have a common theme going on. Here. It makes it pretty easy. But specifically, there's an there's a song in there that means a lot to me, um, called More for Me, or More to Me, um, and it really just talks about how it's easy to feel angry and feel upset um but ultimately if you love something you have to be willing to let it go and sometimes a person can mean enough to you that you don't want to prioritize the relationship over them Mm -hmm. or over you know you don't want to prioritize that relationship over keeping them in the place that they are or you in the place that you are there are a lot of things that mean more than just whatever relationship you're trying to build and so sometimes things just don't work out and it doesn't have to be painful or angry. And sometimes those are the hardest ones because you want to be angry. You want to be upset. But every time you think about it, it's just, it just didn't work out. It didn't make sense. And so you jump to that hollow feeling that we're talking about. When we talk about anger, you jump to that right away. You don't get any of the pain. (laughs) You don't get any of the anger. You get none of that catharsis. You just get to feel hollow instantly. And this helps a lot because it talks about how much, you can lose and how much you need, how healthy it is to say, Hey, by the way, you mean more to me than being with you. And that's, that's how that had to end. It it gives you a little bit of hope. Definitely. A lot of these, a lot of the Icarus account is less uh, hopeless than some of what Mayday Parade puts out, but it, it still, I I think is a, is a good choice. Did you guys come up with anything? Yeah. Um, I think one that was definitely like a depressing angsty, high school album that uh, I drew through yeah uh, Reliant K for getting I slowed down that one Ooh, good pick. Um, that one I mean they they had some interesting stuff this was an interesting album it very much felt like an album recorded in Nashville I feel like by the time they, they wasn't were, that the first album they recorded in Nashville no mm-hmm, I think it was oh, okay um, before that uh, but yeah so that one very much has like that type of feel with the pop with a um, pop punk still there. That not... was his breakup album, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he was getting out of like a long term, long term. They were going to get married type mm-hmm. thing. And then it, it uh, didn't work out. So a lot of that is like a lot of ups and downs. Um, and uh, kind of goes through all those stages of grief. Uh, there's some really like catchy stuff, really moody music. I really like a lot of the instrumentation. It's very organic for a pop punk record. To be, to the point where it's almost not a pop punk record, right. um, with yeah, as it, many it lean toward the alternative side. Yeah, uh, a lot. Which I was already kind of fading that way in my musical taste anyway. So I think that's why I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I had a lot of great stuff to say. I don't wouldn't say it's a perfect record by any means, but there's some songs that were like definitely really hit home. He has like some up points of like maybe there's some hope. Remember, this was a good time. Candlelight is one of those songs. Mm-hmm. Forget It Not Slow Down is one of those screw it all, I'm leaving songs. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like their title track. That was the one there they're throwing up, and it didn't sell well because that song wasn't super hooky. It was kind of like a we're I... leaving everything. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't. it wasn't put out well, but I think it was definitely more of a probably personal record for him. I definitely remember you were the first one to hop on this train. I 
definitely did not. It took me a while to warm up to this, um, and I it's, would definitely not say that it is it, necessarily my favorite album. It uh-huh. was just a different, a very different direction from like mm-hmm and Five Score, which were like the pop punk bangers with hooks on every song, like that kind of thing. Also and, important to note that we hit this album at the same time as the album we've been talking about. So like we hit a lesson in romantics mm. like 2009 ish. This came out in 2009. Yeah. But also to be fair, like mm-hmm came out 2004. So we were a while. behind on that. We right. were also behind on Five Score, which was 2007. I think I came in when Five Score was was released. I remember Five Score being like my the first Reliant K album that was released when like when I was into Reliant K. And that would have been like freshman year of high school. Yeah. So I, part of it is like I remember hearing Birds and the B-Sides and I was it's birds and the B sides. Lots of B sides. So I, that, I literally thought it was like an extras album until I <laughs> until you told me that no, it's an actual like record that they did. I was like, oh, okay, it's a record. They also had a lot of B sides on the end of it. So, gotcha. So for yeah, forget I, I not slow down, they finally it. like came back with a, another record. But yeah, it was they were moving on farther than I think a lot of the other scene was. Right. So I think it was just either they're ahead of their time or just at a different spot that everyone else was. Yeah. Um, cause they, they were kind of part of the older generation of punk anyway. I mean, 2004, yeah. that was like, you were talking about Blink's last record before neighborhood. That was about the end 2003. of that. Yeah. Three, yeah. So they, they no, were kind of sure. that, that was their highlight. Yeah. I, I do think that a lot of why I didn't really latch onto this right away was because I was listening to a lesson in romantics yeah. nearly parallel with this song. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it, it doesn't, it was different. Well, to, it's a different yeah. vibe for sure. Yeah. What you got for me, Sean? Um, there's a record from this year, actually, that's a great breakup record um, in the pop realm. Laney, Malibu Nights. Um, it has, It's, again... <laughs> we have has... talked about this album before. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe... In, in that episode that no one's ever going to hear? Seven days ago. Oh, that's but right. But we referenced the re- episode multiple times. And, you know, Ralph got to drop his Panic at the Disco reference, so I get to drop my Laney reference. Okay. That is a fantastic breakup album that goes through all of those deep, dark stages of grief, too, and does it in a super relatable way. Okay. And also, all the vibe. It, there's the a vibe. lot of vibe. Yeah. That is for sure. It, it, and it's, it's kind of... Chill grooves. Chill, chill grooves all over the place. This fantastic record. It's lyrically very good. I like the lyrics a lot. I think it explores a lot of really interesting, fun uh, aspects of not... I would say that it's probably opposite in tone from Lesson in Romantics. I was going to say, I didn't feel like it was a depressing feeling. It's about going through a breakup and dealing with it, but it is, like you said, vibey. It's chill. It's not everything has to be high-key. It can be low-key and still be emotional. It doesn't have to be high-key to be emotional. Right. It's a little less angst and more just the the straight up like sad emotion, I think. But it is um, a good ten year difference, so that's fine. Right. We don't have to live in the angst forever. <laughs> yeah. It it feels like uh if somebody was telling you about their breakup at a coffee shop, you would probably listen to Laney. And then Laney's Malibu Nights. Yeah, and then I feel like Mayday Parade would be like at a metal show. A pizza den. Pizza You're in the den. basement of a pizza den. Uh, <laughs> Jerry's Pizza. There you go. Oh, yeah. Bringing it all the way back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think that they're, the vibe that you hit on Malibu Nights is very similar to like, hey, I broke up with her. <laughs> like, yeah. That sucks, dude. Yeah. It sucks. Let's go, uh, Where's let's like, go walk the beaches of Malibu at night. Right. And see... Mayday Parade is like, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> let's get trashed. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Very different vibes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, it is kind of the, uh, I guess it could also be the angsty, younger way. And Malibu Nets is trying to be a little more sure about it. Yeah. I mean, it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if it's sure about it, but I, I do feel like it's very mature. Mature. Is that what you said? I said mature. Sorry. Mature. Not oh, sure. at least it's sure. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Nah. Mature. Maybe more just like, I just feel like. Less dramatic. Less dramatic. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. That's all. I mean, yeah. Less than romantics is all about the drama. <laughs> it's all about that drama. That's why I like it. I mean, that's <laughs> why you have to like it. Drama. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very much all about that drama. Now, yep. uh, I don't know if we're going to keep this theme going forward. 
uh, well, it's when I say theme, I mean picking a theme and picking an album and running with it. Right. We definitely prepared so much for this that it might be just too much work to prepare this much next time. So we'll have to see. But yep. we're going to try kinda to decide like something. We, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the preparation that must have gone into uh, making Blink-182's California album best best Blink-182 sure. album of all time. Sean! <laughs> Sean we, have, see, we have varying see, here's the thing. in this podcast about pop Sean! Punk. <laughs> has wanted this podcast to be polite. <laughs> he has wanted it to be positive. And instead he continues to push my buttons. <sighs> well, next week we bring you the sounds of 47 stabbings <laughs> by Ralph, Greg, and Sean. Anyway, I'm Ralph. Ralph Harris. You can follow me on Twitter at, at the ninth Ralph. Over on my right, I have Greg, who you can follow at Greg the Great. That's G R eight T on Instagram. Soon to follow on Twitter, and across from me, I have Sean. Sean Goff. Do you use the Sean. I S-C- use at S H A W N underscore S V on Instagram. You, he has very similar to that on Twitter, but I think I've seen him tweet twice. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't opened Twitter for probably three years at this point. Oh, you know what? His street side stuff might be on there. So it's Sean <laughs> SSV on Twitter. S-H-A-W-N. No, it's just SSV. S-S-V. No, it's just SV. Just an S. Okay, SV. Thank you for specifying that so that I didn't get it wrong. I'm just saying there's probably nothing on there. I was going to say, you don't have to dig too deep. Yeah, if you're looking for that. you're looking for it. Okay, we're going to check. This is an right old now. band, by the way. Just uh, in case you were wondering. This isn't it's, some deep, dark secret before. of my past. It's the most exciting thing that you could possibly think. Ralph has an interesting definition of exciting. It's the one that matters the most. All right. This is one of our Anyways. oldest, deepest dives. One of Well, on that note. On that note. Betty Bray, Lesson in Romantics. Going through a breakup? It's a good hit. Dumb. Honorable mentions go to Malibu Nights by Lainey. Whoop, whoop. Forget Not Slow Down by Reliant K. Hey. And Mayday by The Icarus Account. Woo. Not confusing with Mayday Bray. Yeah. Oh, it's actually at Goff Production. Really? That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, man. That, Unless somebody's just copying cool. all their Instagram posts. No, 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 no. Instagram should be at Sean. No, but when you link them and they, they cross post, and these are all cross posted from your Instagram. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that was that was an old Instagram handle. Well, that's when you need to follow. So, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll be back next week. Thanks. Skirt, skirt. <laughs> <laughs>